Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Omen Edition. Today we're pitching sequels. <laughs> My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, that pitchmaster himself who wants to bedevil me, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. I had a client who got athlete's foot in the Caribbean. She almost lost a leg. <laughs> Such a, and then, and, so and much then the detect- deep-seated ra- so much deep-seated racism in such a throwaway line. <laughs> I was gonna say, and then the detective had somebody mm. who probably lost a leg and her face. That's right. Yeah, maybe that was an omen of what was to come. <laughs> Nicely played. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> Don't be too sure. <laughs> You got 10 minutes to get out. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here. We've discussed three Omen movies, and Mm. now we got to pitch a final sequel to the series. Maybe not a final sequel. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Just, uh, you know. There might already be one coming. (laughs) There's already been a film called the final conflict in this series and that didn't mean anything (laughs) oh good time this is a this is i thought this is a fun movie to kind of sit and just think about what to do with well the ending of omen for the awakening certainly sets you up i yeah for a sequel but I, the, the question is, are you going to take that bait? <laughs> I doubt you would. <laughs> or are you going to... Well, yeah, but but again, against my better judgment, I always feel like that is that, that um, continuity is king mm-hmm. in these instances, even if it makes it very difficult to tell a story. Right. Even if it's an albatross around my neck, I still feel like I owe it to the people who made the previous films, too. I'll say this, though. For this particular series, I don't think it's too much of an albatross. I think they leave you with plenty of shit you can do that's interesting. I I wish I wish we could have gone... I wish this could have been different. In, the ending of Omen 4 would have been different in some meaningful way from... The end of the, the original first Omen, so you don't yeah. feel like you're remaking Damien Omen 2 and the final conflict over again. I get that, but so there I are... Think, I think, yeah, you have to work around that a little bit. I think they also leave you a few breadcrumbs and gifts to kind Gift? of build on gifts top of... Gifts or gifts? Gifts. Okay. Not like, Homer Sim- not like Homer Simpson walking backwards into not a like head. Not like Homer Simpson like, walking okay. back, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I think there, you know, I think there's enough there hmm. 
at least I hope by the time I'm done pitching <laughs> that there's something yeah. interesting enough. Speak for yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, easy or hard? Easy or hard. Did you have a good time doing this or? I did, yeah. Um, I think I like the I like the kind of the sand pit that this that that the Omen films are are in. I like playing in that sand pit. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, I I agree with you. Uh, despite sort of I I despite you know wishing that we could move a bit more forward rather than reset. I still do think that the series gives you a lot to play with. Because well, it's, like, there, there's it's, plenty... it's got in, international scope. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's several different genres you can draw on. Beside, you know, and for horror films, sometimes that's hard to get outside the horror box. But this this is a series that has always, like, looked outside... It's n- never believed its own hype about it being a horror film and has kind of mm-hmm. drifted into different generic areas, and that's part that's one of its strengths. So, yeah, I like I like playing in I like playing in the sand pit, um, but it's I found it hard to know where to go narratively, mm-hmm. but in terms of imagery. I feel like you can definitely do something interesting with this raw material. All right. What about you? I might have been the opposite. Found it really hard, or no? I think easy I... to come up with a story, yeah. but hard to make it work. Um, I think I came up with a narrative, but sort of uh, layering any kind of metaphor or religiosity or, you know, Mm. any kind of religious aspect on top of it. Yeah. I didn't get quite that far. Okay. Other than what will inherently be in it just from the narrative. Hmm. That makes sense. It's also... And I do feel... I mean, there are going to be parallels. There's certainly going to be parallels to the first and the second movie. Yeah. Because that's what I felt like I was left with, and uh, but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to apologize too much for that because no, like I said, I think there are, the, the, I think we were left with enough that was interesting in inversions to, mm. you know, you it it allows it allows an audience to start at a place in which it doesn't with really any of the other sequels. Because we're finally going to keep some characters. True. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then there's the timeline issue, which... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you... I don't know how you resolve that. Um, I mean, let's face it. The most interesting thing you could do is have your first scene be them leaving the cemetery. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. not done that, but <laughs> but if you really wanted to like throw a like an, a, ball, an aftermath sequel, yeah, exactly. 
Especially because with the amount of information you had to process in the final few minutes of that right. film. And Aftermath might be a good time to to sort of like do a post-mortem of what actually happened. <laughs> I thought of that, but I just thought it would be too difficult because mm. it would be too much like the first movie. Because you're talking about a young boy, mm. like a, an infant or small child that somebody, somebody has to eventually say, hey, wait a second. Mm. So... Hey, he. Unless I'm pretty that's sure he with might marker be on his hand. Right. Yes. Exactly. We have a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's so there's a, there are there are some there are some challenges for sure with this, but it's a fun. It's definitely a, a, a yeah a good sandpit to play in. Yeah. Before we go on, mm-hmm. I have some. I have an update. Oh, on our, our last series, one of our um, hanging threads mm-hmm. from when we covered the RoboCop series. Go on. Was what on earth did Frank Miller do on either film? Mm. Was basically what I was left to research. Uh getting a lot of conflicting answers. <laughs> so. I never have narrowed it down quite as much as I want to, but ba- here's the base. Here's I'll thumbnail it for you. Okay? okay, Frank Miller was hired um, to, to write two, right? To do a yeah, to do an outline for two. Yeah, and he wrote a draft, I believe, of the film, which Orion claimed was unfilmable. And they kept elements of it as they kept redrafting, but basically the final film was not much to do with Frank Miller. Although later other comic book artists took his draft and turned it into a graphic novel series. So there Mm. are graphic novel versions of both Robocop 2 and 3. Frank Miller wasn't the artist, but I think he did the covers and then other graphic uh, novelists adapted it. Okay. Um, So it exists in that form. But after basically we were suspecting that they they use material that they rejected for two for RoboCop 3 yeah and right. that's that's kind of true cuz he was very quickly moved over to RoboCop 3 when they realized they weren't going to use him for RoboCop 2 so he did a draft of that as well mm-hmm. and again they kept elements of that and then dispensed with other with other elements and there are some very interesting if somewhat inconclusive articles on cbr.com which is a comic book uh website uh which will elaborate further um but interestingly an example of of that exact thing that we suspected happening of stuff that was originally supposed to be in robocop 2 that was um used in robocop 3 the animated parody a PSA parody Johnny Rehab was originally written as part of the RoboCop 2 oh treatment. wow really so and we talked at the time about how that that was the most satirical aspect of RoboCop 3 and it's precisely because it came from RoboCop 2 <laughs> <laughs> in origins 
And it's kind of an outlier in that film because they're not really interested in the commercial parodies and the TV satire anymore. Yeah. And yet there's this very thorough piece of satirical animation <laughs> in the middle of it. And that's why. So. Interesting. That's, uh, we were on the right track, but uh, we we were somewhat short. It was a bit more complicated than any of us given credit for. And I still don't really understand what exactly he did on either <laughs> film. That's but fantastic. He was, but I, I did learn that it it was um, the original creators of RoboCop, who we will be talking about at some point in the future. I'll say. Um, they, they couldn't work on RoboCop 2 because of a WGA strike. So they were asked for names of people who might be good for the franchise to write, and they recommended Frank Miller hmm. and uh, another, and Alan Moore. They recommended both Alan Moore of mm -hmm. Watchmen fame. Yeah. Is it Watchmen? He's, he's Watchmen, isn't he? I think so. Right. Uh, and Frank Miller. And Moore said he didn't want anything to do with it, but Miller was intrigued. But in in taking on the role, he realized he would rather direct than write because uh, he thought as a writer in Hollywood he had no power. And oh, so he only right. ever wanted... <laughs> <laughs> he only ever wanted to... <laughs> continue with cinema if he was going to direct mm. there you go alright so interesting but inconclusive <laughs> we're nothing which is also which is also a suggested title for the podcast we're nothing if not interesting and inconclusive and you know it's there's too much to go over the similarities and differences but I think check your preconceptions at the door about the parts of RoboCop 3 that you think uh, someone other than Frank Miller invented, because a, a lot of the stuff that's in there is in his original draft. All in right. both, for both films. That's it. Noted. So that was uh, Update <laughs> Corner. Update Corner. I'm telling you, so we I need stings. I can close that tab now. <laughs> Literally, I just closed the tab to CBR.com. Fantastic. Any um, any last thoughts to get off your mind before we... Last rights? <laughs> before we dive into our pitches. About the Omen series? Yeah. Hmm. I, I think, you know, we've... we've, we've um, we've said a lot of it. I don't know if I've mentioned... This is something that I, I don't know if I've said out loud. So apologies if it's on a previous episode. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed a trend of you coming to these series you've never seen before. A la Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And you go... <laughs> bananas pun intended <laughs> for a film for what for the most loathed film within that franchise <laughs> because you have no preconceptions of what the critical consensus is about those films yeah maybe and i just wanted i just thought it was it was it's really lovely that that you're you you're affectionate about films that are traditionally derided and i because i suspect a lot of a lot of our judgments are based on what we hear about the movie other than the movie itself. Yeah, that could, yeah. And so I just want to, you know, I just want to give you credit for 
in both you spoke up for Battle of the Planet of the Apes, which <laughs> right. is not well liked, and <laughs> Omen for the Awakening. Um, Delightful. So, I appreciate you know when when you're separated from the from the uh, consensus about something. You appreciate how true. deep my lunacy can go. Yeah, but well, it's not it's not lunacy. It's just like <laughs> if if I'm watching this, I'm just watching this for what it is, and it's really hard to manufacture a screening environment in which you can do that. Yeah, it, it's it, well, done, you've done it. Obviously, now it's fun. increasingly more difficult nowadays. Yeah, and it's as close as we get to blind tasting. I think. Yeah, right. You have no idea what you're supposed to think about this, and uh, I'll be using that argument back on you when we do Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> Good you one. knew there had to be a catch somewhere. It yeah. couldn't just be a compliment without, <laughs> without, without, without a catch. I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, Look make, at your I don't, I don't like making this analogy because it means you'll end up murdering me. But right mm. now, I kind of feel like that guy on the other end of the telephone in Taken, when Liam Neeson tells him he's got a particular set of skills, and I just say, "Good luck." Hmm. <laughs> Time will yeah. tell. But I think, like when, yeah, when we get to talk about that film, and I don't know when that will be, uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to bring up what people thought about it before they they thought what they were supposed to think about it. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I can tell you the exact moment I started making opinions about that movie, and it was before I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> To my point. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I'll admit, right now, yeah. it was yeah. before I saw it. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, you, you, you take the lead on this one. All right. I've got a pretty hefty, good sketch. Okay. Of this, this sequel I'm pitching. Oh, I know what I meant to say. Yeah. Sorry to steal your thunder. Um, it's a shame that that there wasn't one more Omen film. Because then we could do Omen 666. Ah, uh, yeah. So, unless you want to pitch two movies. The second of which is called <laughs> Omen 666. I'll pitch, one, thought about. I'll pitch one pitch and but a title. Was, How about that? I was just like, that's too much work. One of these is too much work. <laughs> For how long Carry did you on. consider creating a whole second sequel just so you could get to that title? Who says I haven't? I do, because you just you just yeah. said and I. And I think done I it. just I think I just said that I hadn't. So, <laughs> me too. All right, fine. Both of us is the answer to that question. <clears throat> All right, I am picking up the threads of Omen yeah. Four. The Awakening, as I feel a good pitcher would do. Party strings! <laughs> Party strings! Stop pitching! Cut that. Stop pitching suspense! <laughs> you gotta cut out the cut that out and use that as a sound clip. Put that on the morning zoo soundboard. There you go. Alright. I'm calling my sequel. Omen 5, Vanishing Point. 
<laughs> I am not you, you've just you've given up you've given up on your titles and you're just I taking am... the names of other films. I am not thrilled with that title. <laughs> but speaking to your earlier point, that title is taken. <laughs> <laughs> but it came to me and I couldn't seem to get it out of my mind. So eventually... how low must the bar be when you are con- even you are concerned about your title? <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Vanishing point. Vanishing point. It's it's not mm. even a good correlation. No, it's yeah. It is. It doesn't even. Anyway, carry on. I'm not going to prejudge it by the title. <laughs> Too fucking late. What are you talking about? I can see the look on your face. No, 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 no. I'm just going to pretend it's not called Vanishing Point. Okay, fine. Now, we know from Omen 4 <laughs> that the Fourth Kingdom is in Rome, and mm-hmm. that is where Gene York has taken his family. On vacation? No, that's where he was going. Vatication? I, I think that was intimated. He was going to Rome? Yeah. Remember when she's talking to the priest and she finds out that the fourth king... He's talking to his wife and he goes, well, I mean, maybe we should get out of here. We should go somewhere else. How about Rome? To live? Yeah. What's he going to do there? Well, <laughs> he's a politician. He could become a, an ambassador. <laughs> What, you just turn up in Rome and go, can I be the ambassador to Italy? What, what no, he, 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 he's moving up the upper echelon of, of power. Anyway. Are you, say, are you saying that a papal conspiracy controls the American government? Not yet. Oh, that would be the Canadian government. Right. But I am saying that we're going to have a time jump of about 19 years. <laughs> Which... Suddenly our pitches don't look that dissimilar. <laughs> Which probably means that we're talking Me this... George Jetson. Well, I was gonna say his wife Judy. I was gonna say that means we're most likely in this year now, based on what had happened. 19, no, because I, I I can't get into the weeds on this, but... I know. At at one point, I thought it probably probably made it around 2010. And then you no. said something in our last episode that made me go, no, it's got to be at least a decade later. I'm sure of it. Yeah. But... When, when, is, the, when is the Blade Runner sequel set? <laughs> it's about then. <laughs> but at any rate, whatever year it is... It's 19 years after the birth of Alexander. Mm-hmm. And we're going to open in the White House with oh. Gene York talking mm-hmm. with the president, wheeling and dealing. Not that we haven't seen this before, I understand. But now he's here on the behest uh, of his son. And his son yes. has what become one of those... Uh, you know, uber geniuses that cannot be stopped, and even at like a Zuckerberg, ni- even at yeah, like even at nineteen years old, he's already graduated college, 
Mm-hmm. And the very earliest you can become a U.S. ambassador is at 20 years of age. Is that true? Yeah. Is that is that true in the world? Yeah. Oh, wow. And That's I believe crazy. the youngest to ever serve is 24. Now, normally I'm all for reducing the age of our politicians, but uh-huh. that seems like a seems drastic... Young. Yeah. I don't know if I trust someone who's 24 with any responsibility. <laughs> I get it. But Alexander is known as the whiz kid. The president yeah. is happy to bring him on because... The I, I don't really have this sketched out very thoroughly, but you kind of hit the nail on the head where I thought there is, there are complex dealings going on with the Vatican, mm-hmm. and they need an ambassador that they think uh, is you know, has enough charisma to, you know, try and uh, uh, do whatever it is that they they need to get done. Now, yeah, Alexander will be there. <laughs> Let's move away from that plot point that I haven't thought through. Carry yeah. on. Yes, please. By all means. <laughs> Hope he doesn't notice. What, what, what are we calling the girl? Uh, Delilah. Delilah. Delilah? No, Delia. Delia. Thank you. Delia. Yeah. Delia is, of course, uh, the right hand lady for Alexander. She's still with him and has kind of taken on that role that uh, we're we're familiar with from the first movie. Um, They're like like, um, Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt. A power couple who are also related. Right. Right. And uh, on top of that, so what I've got going on here, first of all, is this idea with Gene York, because Mm. there's never a moment of doubt in Omen 4 coming from him, really, ever. There's There's one moment with the new nurse where he says, listen, if you see any good, any strange behavior from the daughter, I mean, you know, just let me know, but don't tell her mother. He's she's, doing that as a favor to... Yeah, she's she's got enough mother. to worry about. So condescending. <laughs> so, to your point, uh, yeah. what I ever, you know, when does a man finally get his shit together? Usually it's when he meets a woman, and that woman has to put on the hazmat suit and scrub that fucking asshole clean... And Mm -hmm. get rid of all of his boyish bullshit and Mm -hmm. turn him into a man. Mm. Now, what I've got here is Alexander having introduced dad to a woman that's going to be in his life, that we know is in his life uh, at the Mm. time the movie starts. And we want or at least Alexander wants him to marry this woman. So they're heading towards that path. Mm. And then separately, he meets a different woman. Okay. And it's like an awakening for him. And so you're going to have these parallel paths. (laughs) Yeah. That will at some point. Yeah, you basically, so basically... The Awakening is a better title for your film than Omen 4, <laughs> is what you're saying. You might be right. Yeah. So maybe we could call it Omen 4 Vanishing Point. 
<laughs> he does regress. That's true. Yes, it's true. Yes. Um, that 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 nun vanishes, right? Yes, completely. And she's bitten by the point of the snake's tooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, what we're gonna see is sort of this this pulling back and forth and sort of hmm. the anguish that Gene York's going through, knowing uh, because he's completely devoted to his son yeah. and wants to keep his family happy with the woman that he's, for lack of a better word, betrothed to. But mm-hmm. uh, he can't help thinking that there's something else that's better for him. But as that part starts to awaken in him, it also makes him start seeing things in a different light. And as Alexander is dealing with now uh, becoming or about to become the ambassador of Italy, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be dealing with the Vatican, and he's doing this and wheeling and dealing, and, uh, you know, people are going to be, you know, obstacles in his way and of course in a true omen fashion a lot of them are going to just die by happenstance oh, you do, yeah you go full godfather three yeah exactly on, uh... that, it's funny you say that because i said that's one of my notes is that we're going full godfather three story in this we're gonna have we're gonna have cardinals falling from spiral from staircases. spiral staircases yeah absolutely gonna have and... people being stabbed stabbed in the eye with a pet with a pair of glasses <laughs> well, the stabbing will be with something else, my friend. Oh, what was it going to be? Oh, I think you know. Oh, uh, crucifix? A dagger of the Makito. Oh, right. Oh, we're going back to that. Yeah. At a certain so point, does... Dad. Oh, yeah, no daggers in Omen 4. No. We lost the, we lost the, uh, the trail of the daggers. Yeah, at a certain point the thing that happens in most Omen movies is going to happen to Dad. He's finally going to cotton on to what's going on and he's going to start investigating and he's going to start seeing this, you know, litany of of uh, death in the wake of Alexander through school and beyond. Mm. And it's right about then that he's going to get uh, a little gift dropped on his doorstep and it'll be the, that final dagger and it'll say, protect this with your life because someday it will protect you. And who are we going to see eventually? We're going to see one Kate Reynolds. And we're finally going to find out does she die at the end of Omen 3? No. She doesn't die. Yeah. No. Okay. I thought you remembered something I didn't. She doesn't. No, she doesn't die, but the... Owen Ford doesn't intimate that she's alive. Yeah, that's true. So, well, the Omen Ford just dead. The Omen Ford just doesn't do anything with that storyline whatsoever. No. So what? Well, I, it mentions her. It mentions her. Yeah, later. I mean, in, in the that last, min, in that minute in that of exposition. Minute of exposition. But what I want is for us to finally know what happened, which is. Mm. She realized that she was pregnant. The first thing she thought is, I have to terminate this baby, which, Mm. of course, is a difficult decision. And she 
waits on it long enough to find out the gender of the baby. When she finds out that it's a female, mm. her first instinct is, okay, it can't be the son of Satan. Mm -hmm. So she gives birth, but because of how that child uh, was conceived, and we talked about the ugliness of that in the final yeah. conflict, she just could not keep this baby, and so that's when she gave it up for adoption and had this plan for the whoever the 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 foreign exchange student and somebody else and then it goes to the orphanage and of course omen mm -hmm. four starts it's a lot of international travel for that baby very early on in its life right <laughs> and uh and you know we know that she's in, a, in an, an investigative reporter so she's going to start seeing what had gone on um once that baby was born. Oh, there's some rumblings. And all of a sudden now there's Alexander and I, I'm going to follow this for a while. And so she's going to go around the city eating free nuts. Yeah. In a montage. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to retrace all steps. We're going to be start, uh, you know, doing that omen thing of retracing steps and finding out more until we finally get to the decision. But what I want is that wrestling because dad was with Alexander for so long and even hmm. with his daughter, I mean, he was ignoring everything going on with her Yeah, in the first 10 years. And what I want to do is get to this point of the, the new, well, the, uh, the, the wife, the wife he's supposed to take yeah. and his daughter are, are suddenly attacking him and he has to kill them both. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, it's, you know, Kate Reynolds, Gene himself, and they have to get to Alexander before we reach the vanishing point, which is him becoming 20 <laughs> becoming the ambassador. You, you try to salvage it now. <laughs> I, you know, this is not a visual medium, but we're recording this over Zoom, and I wish you could have seen, like, one of Athan and Gerard's clowns, Mike, leaned into the lens of his webcam to make that point to me. Good times. Very good times. And, uh, yeah, it's going to, you know, it's going to be father versus son. I think that that's making lemonade of the whole gender swap because... That's what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I wanted. It makes... it's It really helps to clarify that was this his son, the father could have seen all this behavior. But mm -hmm. it's just the double standard of it being his daughter that he can't. I think that's a really good... It makes Omen 4 look better than it is as well. Yeah, right. By um, by association. Wow. Vanishing Omen... Point, that's with Dennis Quaid, right? No. It's the... Oh, that's Vantage Point. <laughs> I don't even know that movie. Vanishing Point's like a, it's like a cult... Isn't it Antonioni? It's like a cult 70s road movie. Oh, fuck. Maybe I with... don't know it. With uh, it's and I think it's and oh, I don't know if it's Antonioni, but it's definitely a cult seventies road movie. I know that it features what's the guy from uh, um, the 
character actor guy who's in Naked Gun two and a half. Anthony something. Oh yeah. Um I won't remember. He's in his Unforgiven name. as well. Yeah. And in the heat of the night. He's in that right. as a as a date as a very dated gay character. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. Well there uh, you have it. There's also The Vanishing. Yeah. There's two of those. Two of those. <laughs> <laughs> Only one with Kiefer Sutherland, though. Uh, right. Okay. And Sandra Bullock well, and Jeff Bridges. Good stuff. Nancy Allen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Tourette's. <laughs> Which, but... I was going to say, if you develop Tourette's, you know it's not going to be only... it's not going to be curse words. No, it'll it's be... just going to be sequel references. It'll just be movies. Yeah, it'll just be like out of nowhere, Nancy Allen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Hmm. Good times. Um. Okay. Um. So the name of my pitch, name of my movie, my yes. sequel, is Omen 5. It'll look like an S on the poster. So <laughs> you think it says Omens, but it's Omen Oh, so five. you're not going Roman numerals? I was going Roman numerals. No. Well, I want that. I want it to look like an S, so it's also can be read as Omens. Gotcha. Colon. Vanishing point. Day. <laughs> I can't believe uh, I've done an, I've done another Wes Robocop. Because <laughs> my subtitle is The Sixth Day, which is also a, a name of another film. You went with an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. So you I should did. feel worse, frankly. Yeah, at least at least the the title you ripped off has some kind of cult credibility. You went with the lesser Schwarzenegger. <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> That's yeah. why Batman and Robin is a good movie. <laughs> Says you and you alone. Let me and me alone. Um, yeah, o- Omen Five or Omens. Call on the sixth day. Gotcha. So, it's day six. No. So, Alexander (laughs) is 33 years old. Oh, okay. A secret society of nuns working within the Vatican Mm. have uh, taken an oath to... um, seek out and destroy Alexander um, through a Omen 4 efficient montage <laughs> we discover that after after his childhood once once uh, Alexander came of age he went through the same crisis of faith that Damien did when he realised he was the Antichrist hmm and except he really did run away from his fate and he became a, a homeless drifter hmm. living on the streets going from town to town um just staying on the move a la uh john connor and terminator 3 rise of the machines another classic 
Um, Fuck. <laughs> and he's just, you know, he's basically, he's he's on the run. He doesn't know that 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 these uh, Vatican action nuns are after him, but he knows that if he stops and finds roots anywhere, that that his satan, you know, he he he's accepting that he is Satan, and so he just wants to stay one one. One so town he's, ahead of. He's a uh, he's a fugitive, slash uh, Bruce Banner, slash Littlest Hobo. <laughs> yes. Which was also a Can- which was a Canadian series, I believe. Different um, than uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes. So um, the the so the early so we have this you know this passage of time montage which takes Alexander to thirty three. We intersperse this montage with, you know, a kind of, um, uh, a, like a training montage of these nuns getting ready for action. You know, we, we see we see all their moves with the various daggers and implements they're going to use to get Alexander. And then the two come to a head. They they hunt him down in Hicksville, um, somewhere in some sleepy one-horse town. They finally get the drop on him. You, they... Um, you know, nin- they they ninja like surround him. They get ready to deliver the final dagger blow. Wait, before you go on, I just want to say one of the things I'm liking already is you you've spoken at length about all these movies where you're on the side of Damien. Yeah. Or whoever we shouldn't be on the side with. You're 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 <laughs> right there with him or her, and that's yeah. what you're setting up for your sequel. I don't. I can't You're see your the money world where any your mouth way, is. Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see. I, this is my view of the world as well. <laughs> yeah, he's the victim. There and you go. He's he's even more of a victim than we think, because there's only one check that the nuns have to do before they kill Alexander to know that he's the right target, as they're not gonna kill an innocent human being. Got to check the palm of his hand for the 666. <laughs> but it's not there. It is Alexander, but it's not there. Burned it off. No, 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 no. We learn. We learn, you know, he says, it's, he says, it he just peeled it off and put it on his head. No, he, said, he said it disappeared one day. Just overnight disappeared. Hmm. Um, And they're like, when did this happen? They said, oh, it, it, it's like last year. It just disappeared. So, they're obviously they're not going to kill him. They they let him go, let him on his way. They say whatever curse you had is lifted. Go on your way, be with God. And that's that's Alexander out of the movie. What? <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. He's he's he doesn't have the mark anymore. We're gonna devote he's like non-essential. half of the movie to following Alexander, and then he's just gone. Not half of the movie. This is no. This is a montage. This is two and a half minutes max. This is the op- this is the cold open. No, you've been talking. We're still a in while. the cold open. Okay. All we've seen is like, you know, mission uh, mission prep nuns and Alexander's first thirty three years on Earth. So that'll only take about two and a half minutes of montage time. <laughs> Omen four did it. So can I. Okay. Fine. So it's back to the drawing board at Vatican HQ. And they're trying to basically they're they're you know, their head 
You're sure they wouldn't they kill had... him just for good measure? No, because they're not gonna. No, because he's in. He's innocent. They're trying to piece. They're trying to put the pieces together, from from Damien to Alexander. What is the connection here? What is this telling us about the Antichrist? They're taking on faith an awful lot. Well, no, but the mark is. You know, as far as they're concerned, if the mark's not there, he ain't. He ain't the Antichrist. All right. It was a misdirection, just like Delia. So they're trying. They're trying to figure out, like, what what's the connection? And you know, they get the Pope's top numerologist on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which in the Omen verse exists because there's no contradiction between faith and science. <laughs> so who else would the head mathematician in in Italy work for but the Pope of course um, and he comes up with a formula to explain the phenomenons that we the Antichrist phenomena that we've seen which actually helps explain the title of the original movie <laughs> which is that none of none of neither Damien nor Delia nor Alexander were the Antichrist they were just omens and he comes up with a mathematical formula to find out when the real Antichrist will be born. Hmm. So he takes the Damien is born, then 33 years later, Delia is born, and another 33 years, and then, and Alex, and then Alexander is born, <laughs> and he, another 33 years. Yeah, but so he's like, he's oh, born ten years or so after. He's born he's born ten, but he was a de but he was a decoy. Ah, that's right. Okay, gotcha. He is a decoy, so they take it out. The devil put the mark on there as a decoy to send them down send them down the wrong road. So like thirty three plus thirty three is sixty six. So we need that final six. The devil's doing like a crossover, like a basketball, trying to break the ankles of yeah. the nuns and fake yeah. them out. And so. And so they're they're like okay so, it's, it's sixty six years since since the birth of Damien. So the sixth day, the sixth the sixth day after the anniversary of his birth. Sixty six years ago. Is I guess it would, uh, I guess it would be twenty three years later, <laughs> not thirty three years later. I just realized. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now I know why timelines are so hard to keep track of. <laughs> so so Alexander was 23, Delia was 33. Yeah. 33 plus 33 and then 6 days later. Okay. That is when the antichrist will be born. So now the now the Vatican are basically they they're going back to their bible. They've got to figure they're they're you gotta kill those firstborns, right? No, nice. everyone born on this day—they've got to go on a global hunt. You gotta bring that back. Yeah, they gotta go on a global hunt to find the mark of the the six 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 mark of the devil on a child born on the sixth day after the sixty six year. And that's kind of the rest of the movie. Is is the is a a kind of. Uh, 
global treasure hunt, if you will, to find that that ends with the, the stabbing of an infant. I kind of think about it. I, uh, well, that, yeah, it's a good question. It's sort of like will 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 build in that the the nuns who are tasked with this are already conflicted about even killing Alexander when they know he's the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And now they're worried that he might that whoever this is might be another decoy, and that the devil's just playing games with them, like uh, Superman in the in Superman Two, where he keeps. Plus, if they just say I, it's not me, they might believe him. <laughs> <laughs> These are nuns. They're not going to kill if they're not a hundred percent certain that they're the, they're the Antichrist. That's why I had them be nuns. Mm-hmm. Because we because we know you know we believe in nuns except the last one told us not to. Right. Um, I'm just so saying that's it, they that's... seem awful susceptible to lying though. Yeah. So that so you know and and as the film goes on, we'll we'll uh, introduce you know potential suspects. That you know some some will be red herrings, some will be the right track, and then eventually there'll be a final showdown between. One of our ninja nuns, and <laughs> uh, and you know an in infant born on the sixth day. All right, and then it'll be a, a then add. So they've got the fact that they already don't want to kill another human being. They're worried that it might be a trick by the devil because of what happened with Alexander, and it's a baby. So that's uh, that leaves us on a maybe to end on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it does seem to harken back to the original, the moral quandary part of it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the last thing we see is is uh, the ninja nun raising the knife, raising the dagger. And maybe we don't know how it ends. There you go. I kind of like that. So there you go. That's Omen 5, or Omens, the sixth day. All right. I like it. Yeah. It, sounds like it good needs fun. characters. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it needs. All it needs is like characters. <laughs> all other everything else is there. But I haven't got any characters yet. All I've nuns, got is an idea. Yeah, the nuns sound like Fox Force Five. Yeah, mixed with Sister Act. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> One That's how I'll pitch it. It's Force Fox Five meets Sister Act. One can tell a joke. Charlie's every... Angels meets Six Sister Act. Every time, every time they kill a baby, one can tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but we only killed one baby, so I only got a chance to do one joke. Well, you said there's a global manhunt. Don't they have to kill more I than know, just one? I know. I'm 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 paraphrasing Pulp Fiction. Okay. She says, but we only did a pilot, so I only did one joke. Gotcha. No, there will be many baby murders in my family. <laughs> no, there won't. It's about it's 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 about whether you whether you're able to kill the ba- kill a baby. It's the baby Hitler dilemma, basically. Mm-hmm. You know that if this baby survives, the the Antichrist has risen. But it's a baby. It doesn't know right. that it's it's you know everything I we've seen it. in the Omen films thus far. <laughs> Damien didn't know he was 
the Antichrist until he was about 17. There you go. There you go. And then he was surprised by it. He That's momentarily right. ran away. And I forgot that Delia survived Omen 4, so I don't have anything for her to do. <laughs> That's what happens when you watch a film and then talk about it three months later. <laughs> On the way out of the cemetery, she got run over by a car. She had to go back to her planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Never not funny. <laughs> the thought of an animation cell rising Just up into rising the sky. Just rising up into the sky. <laughs> it's like every movie we do. Yeah, <laughs> like every ending to every every film we do feels like that moment from the Pucci episode where the animation scale just kind of rises into the sky. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I have to go to my home planet. Pucci was from another planet. <laughs> All uh... right, friends. Well, there you have it. Two sequels to choose from. We've got uh, Omens, or Omen 5. It's not five. a good sign that you can't remember it already. <laughs> I remember yours for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you won that battle. <laughs> I remember it. It's Omens, or Omen 5, colon, no. the sixth day. Okay, you can't you can't claim the S five thing. Retrospectively, no, I was doing your title. Okay, I know, I know. Just checking. God damn it! Because you are also Omen five. Yeah, but I'm going. Roman oh, numerals. that's right. You oh, you're Omen V. Yeah. Omen V vanishing point. I'm keeping the Roman numerals that have been throughout this series. But that V could be the first letter of vanishing in your title. True. Omen vanishing point. <laughs> Omen five, colon, vanishing point. This is what you've got to work with. Good luck. <laughs> please, please offer your own. So we, we need it. Yeah, send us your own. You're going to have to find us. Or on... just give me some characters to have in mind. <laughs> going to have to find us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter, send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com and for the love of God, help us. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. We're going to have a brand new series for you coming up next. We'll keep it a secret for now. Mm -hmm. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Just my annual pap smear. <laughs> It's uh, Omen for the Awakening, loves its lady blood. I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the doctor in that moment didn't say yes. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Can I kiss you again? As he wouldn't say that, he would just kiss her. Yeah, you wouldn't ask. <laughs> that is not a line that would ever you'd ever hear from that doctor. Can I kiss you? <laughs> when your doctor says, "Come on in here, I'm a kisser." <laughs> Don't let them be your doctor anymore. No. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That's a, that's a doctor no. 
right there. <laughs> you couldn't. Oh. Got it in. Just you couldn't let it pass. Final. At the final moment, and got it in. <laughs> the people were already exchanging money. Yep. <laughs> they were already paying each other. And now they, you gotta you you gotta take you know you gotta get your refund now. Give it back. Oh fuck. I'm gonna do that do that every week and upset the odds. That's great. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Until next time. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.